welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd, and welcome to the New Jesus. Uh, the last New Jesus was not a normal one. It was, it was like three hours long, and that was on purpose to be sort of a, you know, if you're new to this, trying to catch you up as sort of a compilation uh, of everything we've talked about so far, sort of. It's not everything, but maybe the major things. And then kind of diving off the, the high dive into the next new material that, at least to me, may be a little deeper than we've been before. Okay? So if you've not seen that, I'm not going to say you need to watch it because it's almost three hours long. But I do think it would be helpful especially if you're newer to us and you haven't seen all the other teachings. Um, but anyway, uh, it, is, it is sort of a hodgepodge. Uh, doesn't necessarily flow real great either, so I apologize about that. But that wasn't my intent. My intent was, was to try to get all the major points, maybe, up until now in one place, okay? So, uh, if that does not appeal to you, then just ignore it. And I, I'm hoping, I've been saying this from the time we started, and it hasn't happened, and I'm sorry for that too, that I intend for these to be shorter, like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that. And they haven't been up to this point, but I'm hoping maybe today will be the start of that, after that three-hour one, and that's one of the reasons I did that three-hour one, is so I could kind of get most of the really long stuff out of the way so that now we can start going in little bite-sized chunks, I hope. But I've said that before. So um, anyway, that's my intent. We'll see what happens. And, and, and the reason for that... If you've been watching this from the first, in the very first session of New Jesus, I said, I have no idea where this is going to go. And I don't know where any session is going to go until pretty much I stand up here, turn on the camera, and start talking. Okay? Because I'm, tried, I'm trying to be led by God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and I believe, at least for me, that's my best hope of that happening. Although I know I miss him all the time, and I'm sure some of the stuff I'm teaching that's my opinion is probably not correct. And that's why I've said about 10 times, you have every right to disagree with everything I say, and please do not agree with it. Just because you hear me say it, check it out for yourself. I'm wrong all the time, more than anybody I know. Okay. But thank you. Thank you for being here. All right. Here's our postulate for this week. To live your best life. Is that what you want? Can you honestly say that you don't want that? 
from wherever you are now, I don't care, can you honestly say you don't want your best life? Well, the only people I know who would say that in my experience doing counseling therapy and coaching, ministry, all that, the only people I've found who would say that are people who've given up, who've tried, 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 and nothing worked, and they've finally given up. And with them, it's still not that they don't want their best life. It's they just don't believe it's possible anymore. And, and by the way, studies on animals find the same thing, that if they try, 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 and it doesn't work, eventually they lay down in the cage and are just shocked over and over and over and over and never move. Why? Because they feel like they've tried everything and there's no recourse. Nothing else will work. So what's the point in effort? Won't do anything. Okay, so to live your best life, all right, if everybody wants that, how do you do it? You have to believe in what is almost impossible to believe, at least for us humans in this flesh suit. And that is everyday miracles. And, and that is exactly what I mean. Every single day. Okay. You ever thought about that? Well, please think about it now. Okay. The identity trip up. This is, this is what gets most people. This is the stumbling block. Oh man, I fell. That gets most people and, and even most believers, in my experience. A wrong identity of yourself leads to pain and addiction. A true identity of yourself leads to pain and freedom. Just that simple. What trips us up is that the true identity we were made to experience, love, joy, peace, and pain, The true identity we were made to experience from God's promises seems impossible. So the false identity seems like the only possibility. What seems impossible? Miracles! God's going to take my health thing away. God's going to take my anger away. I ask Him, seek Him, I'm a believer. I'm in right standing, and, and, and all of that is required, uh, I believe, at least for it to happen consistently. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I'm right with Jesus, right with God, doing the best I can, mess up all the time, but I'm still, my intention, the intention of my heart is still that Jesus is my Lord and Savior and always will be. Okay, that'll never change. At least that's my intention. Okay. So the miracle seems impossible. And what are the miracles? We're going to explore that in the next New Jesus. We've already talked about a bunch of them. But what are the miracles that God promises to me every day, every week, every month in my lifetime? Um, and, and, and if they're available, then how come I'm not experiencing those miracles if I'm not, and if you aren't. All right, oftentimes it feels like we need to solve the false identity by doing the practical. All right, my willpower, my conscious intention. I've got a problem with my acid reflux. Let me go to the doctor, let me do this, let me do that, let me do all these things, get natural things like betaine hydrochloride, uh, medications, meditation, de-stressing, you know, let me do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to solve my acid reflux. Or for Hope, that would have been depression. For Dr. Ben, it would have been ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. It's weak link theory. Under enough stress, you always break at your weakest link, but that's different for everybody. It can be a physical health thing, can be emotional well-being, mental health, any of that, all of that. All right? So we try to solve that number one problem, our identity, ourselves. We try to fix it ourselves. If that's going to get fixed, 
Ain't nobody else going to do it for me. Excuse my language. I got to do it. But is that scriptural? Okay. We must come to believe that a miracle about our life is exactly what's true. All day, every day. And what seems natural and true to my flesh is a trap. Whoa, 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 what's a trap? What seems like natural to my flesh? Conscious intention, willpower, for me to be the master of my own life, captain of my own ship. However you want to say that. Okay. Now, you're not going to have to take my word for this. I don't believe. I'm going to go to Scripture, but not quite yet. So just remember, are you in a trap and you don't even know it because you feel like you don't measure up or you're not good enough or you're unforgiven or shame, guilt, condemnation. We talked about that in the last one. Are you trying to solve that yourself with your own work and willpower? What I'm telling you is it won't work. And you'll end up decades down the road thinking, what was that all about? Only now you're out of time. So, if that's true, the last slide, then that means to have my best life, I have to believe the impossible. Or what, at least to our natural mind, stimulus response, laws of nature, seems impossible. In God's plan, the miracle is what is true, and His grace is the miracle. Grace is a miracle. It does not even make sense. I mean, I've been teaching grace now. Uh, I spent years teaching what I called Love A, which I now believe is in error because that's what I was taught growing up, and that was my programming. Now, I teach Love B, which I believe is God's love and miraculous, okay? But even today, after decades of teaching this and, you know, as best I can understanding it, when I think really about grace, meaning I, I remember committing that sin five minutes ago, but God says I'm not guilty of that sin, and maybe even beyond not being guilty of it, I'm declared a saint, innocent, as if I've never committed a sin in my whole life, and possibly even that sin is never written under my name ever in the first place when I remember doing it. Now, you be honest with me. That is hard to wrap your head around. Uh, why? Because nothing we see works that way. Okay, well then what would that be called from a biblical perspective? Truth, the Word, and faith. And without faith it's impossible to please Him. Um, we have to believe what's almost impossible to believe. A miracle, which is our next breath, grace, God intervening in our lives. Those are all miracles, ladies and gentlemen, as presented in Scripture that happen every single day. It has to come from God if you want to experience your best life. If you don't want your best life, then it doesn't have to come from God. You can do love A, and even though it won't work, uh, you have the right to choose that and do it. You're going to end up down the road wishing you hadn't, but it's still your choice because love requires a choice. God can't take away choice. So there has to be something else besides love and grace and miracles to choose. And it's the natural world. Stimulus response, karma, reap what you sow, 
Newton's three laws of motion. Natural law. That's all we've ever seen from the time we were born, unless you've been fortunate enough to view, like, you know, a, 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 a visible with the eyes miracle. I know people like that who've, who've witnessed that. I haven't personally, would like to. Okay, 97% of people, based on statistics, well, well done by credible people, believe in God or spiritual reality. If that's the case, then those 97 people should believe in the miracles that God says are promised to us in Scripture. They should believe in miracles. However, that same 97%, in my experience, mostly believe in the natural because when, when a problem comes up, that's where they go to fix it, typically. Not straight to God. That comes later if the stuff I do doesn't work. But I go to myself and my abilities or someone or some other human and their abilities first. Is that what we should be doing though? Is that the biblical way to do it? Love points to and in and of itself is a miracle. Every atheist I've ever asked said they believe in love, but when I ask them to prove it, they can't. Why is that significant? Because that's their point about miracles. Miracles can't be true because you can't see it. You can't prove it. Well, okay, right back at you. You say love is true, but you can't prove it. So why do you believe in one thing that can't be proven and not another? It's selective. And, 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 and each one of them would have a different reason for that, why they believe it. But in almost every case, in my experience, it comes from being hurt by people that should have loved them. Not 100%, but largely. Every believer I've ever asked said they believe in love, but when asked, how do you know, answered, answered, you'll just know. And I believe that's absolutely the truth. There is no word explanation that's adequate. It has to be experienced. Love is a miracle every time. And it conflicts with self-interest and survival of the fittest. We've talked about that, maybe not exhaustively, but a lot. The proof, sorry, love will die for another like that. Almost just as a reaction even, which shouldn't happen. Because the reaction, the, our, our reaction from our physical body and survival of the fittest is protection. Well, love can be the opposite of protection. It can be letting go of protection and intentionally moving myself into harm's way, possibly even to the point of death for someone else. That is not survival of the fittest. That is not self-interest. That is love. Okay. Uh, love will pick a car up. The old lady who picks the car up off the little kid. Love runs into a burning building to save a cat. I mean, nothing else but love has that kind of power, which is enormous. Fear is the number two power, and it ha it's got great power too, but not like love. And the place where fear is the most powerful is in your survival mechanism when your life is in imminent danger. And God made fear to be the thing that's supposed to happen in those cases to save our life. We're not talking about that. That'll happen no matter what. You can't stop that. But if you are living in fear and you're not in a life or death situation, then you have missed it. That's not the correct road. And your body's going to start malfunctioning as long as you're on that path. Okay? Fear will claim to love and die for another, but when the moment comes, they'll either lie, they'll have an excuse, or they'll just 
run. Okay? Um, if you were given the choice and you had to make it between love or no pain, which would you choose? And if you're not in any pain right now, it might be hard to judge that. You almost need to wait until you have some kind of pain to judge that right, to judge it truthfully, okay? But think about it. Even if you're not in pain, think about it now. If you had to choose, do you choose love or do you choose to not have pain in the future and or the pain you have now goes away to where there's zero pain? Which would you choose? Well, again, in my experience, most believers say they would choose love but when it comes right down to it, hour by hour during their day, they tend to choose no pain. Even if it means giving up love in order to get rid of the pain. How do you believe what you don't believe? We've asked that so many times. And, it, and to me, it is a seminal question. How do you believe what you don't believe? Because what God says in Scripture, we're supposed to believe. Well, how do you know if you're believing it? If you're doing it. God says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Uh, faith without works is dead faith. Okay? So, um, if you believe that God's miracles are not really going to happen, that they're not the truth for whatever reason. God's just not that powerful. Or he'll do it for others, but not for you. Or it's not just going to happen in this particular situation. Or, oh, that, that's very, very rare. Hardly ever happens. You know, no matter why you believe it, it doesn't matter if you believe that those miracles are not going to happen for you, that God has promised you, you're believing a lie. There's no other explanation. Okay. So, how do you believe what you don't believe? So, if you don't believe God's truth now, evidenced by that's not what you're living and experiencing, how do you do it? How do you change that belief? How do you move to God's truthful belief? The answer is information, experience, waiting on the Lord, communication, and relationship, deeper and deeper relationship with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Well, where does that come from? It comes from spending time with Him in prayer, in the Word, consulting the Holy Spirit, our conscience, uh, all of the above. And that communication, that's what we call prayer, right? Pray without ceasing. Communicate constantly with God is another way to say pray without ceasing. Communicate constantly with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, if you believe in miracles, you should always believe that one can happen at any time. Because they do every day. And we're going to get into that uh, in the next session, showing you exactly what God promises. Okay? And, and they are miracles. All right? Um, even the little miracles every day, we tend to take for granted. Our next breath is a miracle. This body continuing to have my heart pump and my uh, brain do... Uh, neurological stuff in my immune system and all of that is a miracle, okay? So uh, every day, all right? God's promises in Scripture are virtually all miracles. And we're going to take a look at that again. I'm not expecting you to just take that at my word. We're going to look at them. Um, they're virtually all miracles, but for most of us, we don't even consider that. We don't even consider if I'm angry, okay, instead of taking a pill, instead of doing meditation, instead of whatever, God, will you please help me with my anger? I'm angry right now. 
about uh, this disagreement, hoping I had, I I'm making this up, but these things have happened. Uh, I'm angry right now over a disagreement, hoping I had, and I don't want to be angry at her. I feel guilty, guilt and shame and unforgiveness for myself, for her, toward her, her toward me. I mean, I just feel, am feeling all kinds of negative stuff. Father, please, will you help me with this anger? I know this is, I know your desire is not for me to live and experience with hope, anger, but love. Will you please help me with that? Do that in me. Give me your fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control, healing, etc., etc., etc. Okay? Um, we don't usually consider it because we don't think it'll happen. It's wasted time. The Holy Spirit is a non-human entity. Did you ever think of this? The Holy Spirit is a non-human entity. If you want to say it another way, an alien, at least to human beings, that lives inside you. <laughs> You've got an alien being living inside your body. I mean, you saw alien, right? <laughs> I mean, that's science fiction. No, it's not. It's real. Our struggle's not against flesh and blood. It's against Satan and his demons and spirits and the battle is the Lord's, not mine. And, you know, that's the truth. What more of a miracle could you ever have than God living inside your physical body? And remember, we've talked about, too, how Oswald Chambers, about 2 Corinthians 4.10, says if we do what God is encouraging in that passage, that when we're in pain and have problems, we give it to Him, that Jesus will move to the forefront of our life, take the steering wheel, and the life of Jesus will manifest in your physical body. You have an alien living inside you. But fortunately, it's a friendly alien. It's a great alien. It's a love, joy, peace alien. It's a healing alien. It's an energy alien. It's a relationship building alien. It's a problem solving alien. It's a... And I have access to that. When? 24-7-365. And so do you. <clears throat> Most people, and, and I don't know what this number is. It's, it's, it's got to be 9 out of 10 that I've known and, and worked with and have asked this question. Most people say after trying a number of things to get their pain or problem to go away, I guess there's nothing left to do but pray. And that's not said as a criticism. That's usually what believers say when they're about to pray. But typically what they mean is, I've tried everything in my willpower and conscious intention to solve the problem, and none of it worked. And that's what I was really counting on. That's what's really practical. So now that none of that worked, I guess I'll go to the impractical. God, will you play? <laughs> oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, that is totally upside down. God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the power of God, nothing is even close to that in practicality. I don't have my next breath without that. I fall over dead without that. Okay? All right. Instead of making steps one, instead of making steps one through ten willpower and conscious intention, how about if steps one through ten are prayer and giving God a chance to work first? And then what we do that is not as practical starts at number 11. 
Okay. So I hope this is at least thought provoking. This is sort of half of it, or, or, or maybe more than half, but not all of it, because we haven't gone to scripture yet to see the actual promises and are they miracles or are they in stimulus response uh, nature, okay? But that's what we're going to do at the start of the next one. But know that's coming, and until we get to next week, please be exploring your own mind and heart about these truths. What do you believe? Do you believe that what God says in Scripture as promises to you are legitimate and non-negotiable? If God says it, it's true. If we disagree, I'm the one wrong, not God. Is that how you're living? Especially with your pain and problems? Or is it, okay, i got to fix this, and then, well, I guess there's nothing left to do but pray. Please, search your own mind, heart, soul, spirit, and then next week, we're going to take a look at the individual scriptures that God promises you. And remember, you and God disagree. You're the one that's wrong. My guess is next week, a bunch of you will discover that the way you've been practically living your life day to day is wrong in light of Scripture and God's promises to us. So, um, think about that. Pray, meditate, talk to people if you want. Next week we'll go to scriptures and then also take the next step after those scriptures to the next thing we're going to discuss. Okay? But um, if you're going to have your best life, you have to do something almost impossible for us humans in this flesh suit to do. You have to believe in miracles and to be open to them anytime and for God to be your first choice whenever there's pain or a problem, not your own willpower, and that at the end, if God does not choose to do it because of the providence of God that we don't know, that's 1 Corinthians 13, then you will fully know in, in eternity, but not now. Now, you look through a glass darkly. You, you do not see everything clearly, okay? Um, so are you living your life in a way that depends on yourself to solve your problems? I did for so many years. Hope did. Most of my clients, etc., I don't believe that will ever work. But fortunately, there is a 100% solution. Okay? And it's available to you right now. Thank you so very much, and have a wonderful, blessed day. Okay, you, you probably can't tell from looking at me, but I just finished uh, this week's teaching and then I got on the phone to um, uh, some of the people I work with and said, you know what, we probably need to include those scriptures at the end of this teaching instead of at the first of the other teaching. And I thought that, you know, they didn't respond and I don't know how to do it, so I should go ahead and uh, record it, which is what I did. But then when I got done, they said, yeah, you're right. This should be at the end of this one. And they sent the slides. So this is a post-it note that we're going to edit in to the, um, to the other that I finished a minute ago. Although it won't seem like that to you probably. So why am I telling you this? Because I'm determined to speak the truth in love about everything I do with you. Okay? So... 
that's the truth, okay? I blew it, and we're trying to fix it so it's not too disjointed, all right? I blow it all the time, nothing new. Okay, so here's where we ended um, with the other. All right, so let's, let's look at the names of God first. Uh, the beginning and the end, the Ancient of Days, the Anointed One, the God who gave you birth, the God of knowledge, the God most high, the everlasting, the God who sees what? Everything. Almighty, all-powerful, the Creator, self-existent one. That's a cool one to me. Jehovah Yahweh really means the self-existent one. Has always been the Alpha, always will be the Omega. Right? Um, the Lord, the Lord our provider, the Lord our banner, which means when we go into battle, that's who we're representing, although the battle is the Lord's. The Lord our healer, okay? Now, most of these are not promises. I, know, I realize that. We're, we're, that's coming. But this one is. Uh, the Lord our healer is a promise. The Lord our shepherd, that means to lead and guide us. Okay? The Lord of hosts. The Lord is peace and promises us peace. In fact, their greeting in the, at, the, at the time of the Jerusalem was church, church was peace be with you or peace be unto you. And you'll see a lot of the letters in books. They start that way and in that way, a lot of them. And Jesus said those things too. Uh, the Lord is there. Where? Here. Everywhere. And the Lord is our righteousness. Now that is a miracle. How can one person be another person's righteousness? Can hope do the right stuff for me so that I don't have to do the right stuff? No, of course not. But the Lord is our righteousness. Well, that's the most important thing is to be right. Okay, the right path, the right God, the right purpose and meaning for my life, the right wife, the right children, the right whatever, city, the right uh, 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 way to go from Scripture. Okay, righteousness or, be, or, the, or doing it right is huge, foundational. Well, that's a gift from God. Absolutely a miracle. Okay. All right, so who am I? And to me, a lot of these are promises. I'm God's child. Miracle or not? That's a miracle. Absolutely. I didn't engineer that. All right? Christ's friend. I have been justified. God intervened in my life and justified me and you. That's a promise. That's a miracle. Uh, I've been bought with a price. God paid for me. Jesus paid for my sin. It's a miracle. I'm a saint, even though I remember committing all kinds of sins. Miracle. I belong to God. Miracle. I'm one in spirit with the creator of the universe and Jesus. Miracle. I've been adopted as God's child. Miracle. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. Miracle. I've been forgiven of all my sins. Miracle. I'm complete. I'm free from condemnation. I assume all things will work together for me for good. Miracle. I can't make that work out. God has to intervene to make that work. Or it's not a, a legitimate promise if God does that with some people and not others. Okay? As far as believers. No. He says all Okay? There is no condemnation. Okay? Um, free from all condemning charges against me? Miracle. Can't be separated from the love of God? Miracle. Uh, anointed, established, sealed by God. I'm confident that the good work, God promises this, the good work that He started in me, He will finish in me. Miracle. His work, not mine, not nature violating the laws of nature, all right? I'm a citizen of heaven. Uh, miracle. I'm going to quit saying miracle because it's almost every one of them. Hidden with Christ. 
not be given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. Miracle. God gave that to me. He did it in me and for me and for you. Salt of the earth, light of the world, branch of the true vine. Uh, chose, I've been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. Miracle. Um, I'm a personal self-empowered witness of Jesus. I'm a temple of God. God lives in my physical body. Miracle. A minister of reconciliation, fellow worker with God, seated with Christ in the heavenlies right now, and Christ in me right now, the mystery of the ages. Big miracle. God's workmanship, created for good works. I can approach God with freedom and confidence, and maybe the biggest one, Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who gives me His strength. Isaiah, wait on the Lord and exchange my strength for his. Philippians 4. All right. And, uh, and, and there have been others that we've talked about too in some of those other lists. But I hope this will do it for you. This is quite a few. How many is that? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 at least 20, 23, 25, and, and I don't know that this is an exhaustive list. I came up with it. I don't know that this is exhaustive, but the point all over Scripture are promises to you if you are a follower of Jesus, have accepted Him as Lord and Savior, etc. All right? That's, of course, that's the condition. But if you have done that, if you are a believer, a follower, if you can honestly say from your heart, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, all right? Ladies and gentlemen, I believe all of these apply to you. And in order for a lot of these to occur, they cannot occur in the physical stimulus response Newton's three laws of motion, laws of nature. My body, the temple of the Holy Spirit, me seated with Jesus in the heavenlies right now, and he's in me right... I mean, there's no way that can happen outside of a miracle. Okay? So either God is lying, or this is the truth about you. Okay, so according to Scripture, these are who you are. Not those negative things that you tend to feel, think, brain state, hormones, etc. But, 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 we're not finished. I, I've saved the best for last. Okay, the truth about your thoughts. We've, we've already talked about how on the latest research, the average person, up to 80% of your thoughts lean to the negative. Okay, and then 40% of everybody was abused in some way as a child, and 90% of us did not get the 10 to 1 positive ratio as a child. We got a 10 to 1 negative ratio as a child. So at the end of all of that, less than 5% of us tend to be able to naturally believe the scriptural truth of grace and who we really are. So how are we going to change that from the 80% negative and the thoughts and body and everything? We've got to shift it from 80% negative to 80% positive, and that means to believe something different, right? We've already talked about how do you believe what you don't believe and, and how you can do that with relationship and spending time, okay? But you also need to continually pour the truth in to offset or even replace, transform the negative. All right, so the truth about thoughts, scripturally. Blasphemous thoughts. We're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive, turn it into a prayer. Okay? I don't, all of it. How much of it do I turn into a prayer? All of it. 
either at the time or later or whatever. Don't change a word. He knows what you're thinking anyway. He knows the hairs on your head, okay? If it's a curse word, go ahead and tell him. He knows it anyway. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for that to be replaced with love, joy, peace, or the positive opposite we've talked about of whatever that negative is, okay? But you have to take every thought captive. You're not to win the battle. This is how the battle's won. You choose to take it captive. Give it to God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. They take it because you've chosen them and win the battle for you. Now, you may be participating, but you're not the power that's winning it. Condemning thoughts. Oh, man, this was one of my biggest ones the first two and a half decades of my life. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And we talked, uh, I think, a couple of weeks ago about how guilt is when it is the belief that something sinful or wrong or a big mistake that hurt people or whatever has not been forgiven yet. That's guilt. Condemnation is it's not going to be forgiven. And then shame is the sin or mistake or problem becomes my identity of who I am. I am an alcoholic. I am an adulterer, okay? Um, I know you 100% feel those things are true. But when you and God disagree, you know the rest. Confusing thoughts. Satan is the father of confusion. God is not the father of confusion, but peace. Uh, fearful thoughts. Uh, this is probably number one, and all the others grow out of a root of fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So is that what you're experiencing? Are you experiencing power? Positive power. Not Anger is a negative power, unless it's righteous anger. But anger, negative anger, is a power. It's just a negative power. Like, you know, uh, radiation like they give to cancer patients, which my brothers had, um, is a negative energy that kills everything in its path, right? But then there's positive light and energy that is very healing. Uh, the Nobel Prize was awarded, I think, in 1903 to Niels Finson. I think that's his name. I may be wrong about that. Who, who received the Nobel Prize for proving that light heals health problems. Okay? But a different kind of light, different frequency, radiation, kills everything in its path. Okay? So, fearful thoughts, but you can have... Uh, love-based thoughts about the exact same thing that you're having the fearful thoughts about, okay? And yes, it's a choice, but it's also a choice that you may not be able to do on your own. It may have to be you giving it to God in humility and your will be done, and then because you choose and give it, He acts, okay? And, and can change the fear to love, joy, peace, etc., um, let's see. We have, we, you have received the spirit of adopted sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Father, Father, Father. Just like a little kid, if they skin their knee or there's something wrong or they're scared, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. The word Abba really doesn't mean Father. It really means Daddy. And we are the child. Okay. Haughty thoughts do nothing from selfish, from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Remember, that's one of the secret keys, humility. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look for the interests of your personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Another, another verse says... Um, Do not, another version says, carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. So, God is wanting 
you not only to carry your burden, but, but carry someone else's burden. A lot of you are probably feeling right this second. Goodness gracious, I can't carry my own burdens. How am I going to carry yours? Well, learn how to carry yours first. But sometimes, even in that state where you can't do it, if you turn and focus in love toward the interest of others, sometimes that will give you the power, really God's power, but he sees in your heart you're loving another person and that love comes from him and it's what he wants for you. So when that happens... A lot of times, the fear goes away in you, even if you couldn't do it when you were focusing on yourself. Okay. Lying thoughts. Uh, I've told you ten times about my friend from the FBI. Everybody lies. Okay? A lie detector test is a stress test. Virtually every problem we can ever have comes from stress. Stress is a lie detector. So, how much are you lying even to yourself uh, or uh, to God, um, others, etc. Okay? We have to be committed to the truth. And in, every, and, in, and in every situation, looking at everything to find the truth. That's the passage we quoted, I think, last time. Not only be open to new truths, be searching for them. Always. That's Solomon. Okay. Obsessive thoughts. Mine were lust, but they can be anything. And uh, some people have obsessive compulsive where they have to like check the doorknob 15 times. I believe what's going on there is their unconscious mind is doing that as a distraction for some trauma that hasn't been dealt with yet. So if they're thinking about doing the doorknob 10 times, they can't be thinking about how they're worthless because of this memory they have that's telling them they're worthless. Okay? Once you heal the memory, very often the OCD goes away. Oh, wow! I don't feel a compulsion to check the doorknob. How'd that happen? Uh, just negative thoughts. God says, think about what is true, lovely, excellent, worthy of praise. Period. Well, okay, that takes some effort to think about it. Uh, find the beautiful things on TV. Find the beautiful things on the internet. Go outside. Take a walk. Um, listen to some beautiful music, whatever. But let's go to the positive intentionally, even if we're feeling 80% to the negative. I know that's hard, but, but do your best. And then remember, the battle is the Lord's. He's the one that's going to get you the final victory, but he's wanting you to walk in faith until he does that in your life, which is different for every person. Um, okay. Jealous thoughts. I, I never had a real big issue with this, but a lot of people do. This is one of the reasons why people gossip. Okay? And um, gossip is a quick way to ruin any good day. Comparison is a quick way to ruin any good day. And jealousy usually comes out of comparison. Comparison's a form of, a form of judgment. Judge not that you be not judged. And with the same measure you judge, that's how I'm going to judge you. Okay? And then thoughts of guilt and shame, which we've addressed just a second ago. The, the guilt, condemnation, shame. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become the curse for us. That's critical. He became the curse for you. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and protector of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, um, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. So in Jesus, if we are right with him, if he's our Lord and Savior, and we experience guilt and shame, it has to be false guilt and shame, not true guilt and shame. Because in Christ, we have no guilt and shame. Suicidal thoughts. Um, I've worked with quite a few of those. Um, and there's a couple of really profound truths that I believe... Um, 
the issue of suicide uncovers. Typically, if I'm working with someone and they're uh, planning to commit suicide, and by the way, 90% of people who try to commit suicide fail, um, but when they're, it, I can always know if they've committed to it because all of a sudden they seem at peace. And to me, no one wants to die, okay? It's that people who are here have tried, typically, have tried, 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 nothing worked, and so they've given up. It's not that they want to die, but it's the best alternative they feel like they have. And then when they make that decision, they tend to be, appear at peace. Now, it's not a real peace, I don't believe, because the real peace would be a hope and desire to live and love, joy, peace, relationship, making a difference, whatever God wants to do through me, etc. And then fantasy thoughts. Um, there's a scripture that says that um, uh, the scripture everyone knows is pride is the root of all evil. Also says love of money is the root of all evil, and pride and love of money very often go together in my experience, okay? But then there's another passage that says evil imagination or vain imagination is the source of pride, which is the source of all evil. So what is vain imagination? Right here. Genesis 4 or 6, I think, the first time imagination is ever mentioned in Scripture. The imagination of men is evil. Um, the imagination of man, it leans to evil from his youth. And lean is not the right word in that Scripture, but I can't think of what it is. Um, the imagination of man is inclined, that's it, is inclined toward evil from his youth. And that's this. Um, he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Um, even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. So we should focus our image maker imagination on what God says, what is true, lovely, excellent, worthy of praise. Not on the things that are pride-based, selfish-based, fear-based, that lead me to evil imagination, evil intention. God judges the intentions of man's heart. What is true, lovely, excellent, worthy of praise, and the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So you've got to shift the channel that your heart and mind are on. But again, until you give that to him, you probably won't be able to do it completely successfully. It's his strength, his power, always. Perfectionistic, legalistic thoughts. My wife is a uh, reformed, sometimes, uh, perfectionist. She will admit that, okay? Uh, and there's some good things about it. She says, I can go in a place and in 60 seconds, I can tell you everything that's wrong. <laughs> and we used to laugh about that. But she's, she probably said that uh, hundreds of times and meant it. And, and it's true. She has a gift for that, but she has to guard against it or it'll take her over. Because this is the faith category, all right? Uh, the opposite of faith is unhealthy control. Perfectionism is unhealthy control. We're not to be perfectionistic. We're to be obedient as best we can and then give the end result to God. Perfectionism is insisting on my end result, whether right or wrong. And a belief that I won't be okay 
if that one doesn't happen, which is a lot. Unprotected thoughts. Oh no, I'm going to get hurt. I'm not safe. I'm... That's one of the promises of God. He will protect you. Now, is that physically? Is that spiritually? <laughs> Here we see through a glass darkly. Then we shall fully know. I think sometimes it's both, all of the above, but it's different depending on the situation. Uh, religious thoughts. Um, a wonderful quote I heard um, that I believe was related to the book and uh, wonderful play, Les Miserables. And it was, when all the religions have come and died, or, or come and gone, God will still remain. And I believe, um, as far as religion, you know, we know the passage, uh, faultless religion is this. Take care of orphans, widows, you know, that sort of thing, okay? And so many people, and I did growing up, thought that was a scriptural endorsement of religion. I think it's the opposite. I think what God may be saying there is not, I endorse religion. I think maybe what he's saying in that passage is religion is typically about power, money, and control, in my experience, okay? So I think what God might be saying in that passage is, okay, if you're, if you're determined to be religious, then, okay, do this. This is, my, this is the religion I endorse. Take care of the widows. Take care of the orphans. Stuff like that. Serve. Put others equal or higher than yourself. Carry each other's burdens. Uh, that's what, if you want to say, what's a religion I endorse, maybe, okay? And, of course, don't believe this because I say it. I'm... I'm paraphrasing big time here, okay? But, but, and, and, and by the way, uh, that passage about religion, false religion is this, is totally congruent with the entrance exam to heaven. And we're shown that, and, and here's the picture, it's judgment day, and, uh, and, and what is said? He separated the sheep from the goats, and to the sheep, he said, come in. To the goats, he sent to hell. The sheep, he says, come in. You who are beloved of my Father, for when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was, And they said, Lord, when did we see you? We don't remember that. It's kind of what it seems to be saying. And Jesus says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me which is totally congruent with the faultless religion passage. But I think, to me at least, the New Testament is anti-religious. Okay, it's not about law anymore. It's now about grace. Thoughts of regret. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans. Uh, for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and hope. Okay? God's got it. You don't know how it's going to end, but He does and you win through Him. Distracting thoughts. That can be a big one. If Satan can't get you to sin, he'll just try to distract you. Okay? So when you're distracted, you need to check and see, is there some spiritual component to this? Is this really not just a distraction that seems innocent? Is this Satan trying to influence me somehow away from God or just to mess up my day? He can't make me unsaved, but maybe he can steal my joy and peace and, and victory and maybe make me not as useful to the Father. Um, defensive thoughts. Um, no reason to defend. We're, we're called to a life of vulnerability and risk. Uh, someone hits you, turn the other cheek. They ask for your cloak. You know, that's Martin Luther King. That's Gandhi. That's Jesus. Yeah, we're going to fight, but not with guns, not with knives, with truth, with love. Angry thoughts, unless they're righteous anger. 
the defensive. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Let him defend you, not yourself. Angry unless it's righteous anger. Um, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander put it all away, along with malice. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other as God has forgiven you. And that's what it said about forgiveness, right? You will be forgiven as you forgive. Who, who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to ask for forgiveness? Do it. It'll change your life and theirs. People-pleasing. This was a big one of hope. She used to say, I can't say no. And I keep agreeing to things that I don't want to do, and then I've got all this stuff, and I, my peace is gone, and hey, don't try to be people-pleasing. Speak the truth in love. I promise you, it's going to go way, way better. We've talked about how trying to present a certain image to be liked rather than who you really are. Man, that'll drain half your energy that you have for your whole day, which means you get exhausted about 2 or 3 o'clock and, and maybe even a health problem that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Thoughts of loneliness. Oh, man, I've had time, especially like when Hope and I were separated and a couple of times, there was one time I was in Europe uh, lecturing on a tour and I was gone for three weeks, as longest I've ever been away from Hope. And um, man, there were nights I just sat in the hotel room and cried because I was so lonely. Uh, I needed the love of another person. And at that point and time and place, I didn't have it. Um, but what, what does God say? For I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nothing will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. If that's what you choose and give it to him. And that is it. Okay. So hopefully now you have a handle on your thoughts, your emotions, your beliefs, who God is, who he says you are, uh, and how these 80% negative thoughts for most of us are messing up our life and God's truth about that for success and victory. So I would love to help you with that. Uh, not with you following me, with us joining hands and doing it together, okay? Um, but, that, but of course, that's your choice. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, God bless you, and have a wonderful, blessed day.